Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, we got some new people here. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and really glad you are worshiping with us at the Grove Church today. Welcome, welcome. And um, we are in the middle of a series. Um, we're going through what's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's in passage in Galatians 5, where Paul is kind of talking about this conflict that we all have inside of us, where we've kind of got our natural instinct, what Paul calls our flesh, which kind of leads us to a lot of bad places, a lot of anger, division, as opposed to what the Spirit is wanting to do inside of us to bring us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we've been talking about these things, and we're doing that today. And again, very glad that you're with us. Um, Yesterday was a women's float trip, and so my wife was gone. And then my oldest daughter, who's 24, she also went on the float trip. My middle daughter, Lauren, who is 21, she wasn't here. She's in South Carolina. I'll just brag for a second. She's the president of the student government at the University of Arkansas, which is kind of a big deal, right? She's at this conference with uh, all the presidents from all the schools in the SEC. Ooh, like, I mean, she's kind of, I mean, she's a big deal. She's a big deal. So she's, she's in South Carolina being a big deal. And, and so it's just me and Layla, our 10-year-old. And if you're like, okay, wait, I think I just heard those numbers right. Yes, 24, 21, and 10, three daughters, big, big age gap. We were, uh, we were her foster parents, actually. We brought her home from the hospital as a baby. And she's been in our home uh, almost her whole life. We adopted her about a year later. She is super awesome. And from the very beginning, she and I have just had a really special, cool kind of bond that I, I love to talk about. I mean, she is just a, she's a huge joy um, in my life, she, again, she was a little baby. We had, we had this great relationship. And there was this thing that we started doing about when she was two, where Saturdays, were, we, we just, it was just her and I, we would go out and do things. Eventually, we kind of, we labeled it, we called it Dadder Day, right? Going out and doing Dadder Day. And we would just go out and just kind of do weird, fun things. Like, we used to, it used to start at Come and Go, where she would get a ring pop. And then we would go to Chick-fil-A, and we would get breakfast. And if you go to Chick-fil-A in... Uh, North Fayetteville, you'll know that in that same thing, at least at the time, there was a, a pet shop that she liked to go to. There was a, a bookstore, which we called the story store, which is different than the library. Library, you can take the books. The story store, you have to buy them, and we're not buying them. Anyways, there was a, there was a Toys R Us. There was a Toys R Us, which, you know, and you think, man, it's kind of dangerous to take your kids to take a kid, like a small kid. Like, they're going to want things all the time. But we kind of established, hey, we're just here to look. And she always always had a great attitude about it because we're doing fun things. We're just not buying all the things. And so we, you know, it kind of would shift what we do, come and go, could leave, and we'd go to Walmart and kind of look at the toys, just all sorts of different things that we would do. And I knew this would happen where she would eventually, I don't know, I don't want to say grow out of it because we still have fun on Saturdays, but we don't, we don't leave the house and go do things like that. But I was like, it's going to be me and her. Everybody's gone. I'm, I'm reclaiming Saturday. So it's going to be her and I, we're going to do a lot of those, we're going to do some fun things together. So I got up that morning and it's, it got off to a small rough start, right? I get up, the first thing he's like, dad, guess what? I'm like, what? The new zombies movie on Disney plus just came out this morning. And I'm like, oh no. And I don't, I mean, I've been around a long time. I got a 24 year old daughter. I'm just telling you this, the Disney channel movies, they're not getting better. <laughs> right? I mean, I never would have thought there would come a point in my life where I'm like, man, I, I really miss High School Musical and Camp Rock. I mean, those, those, were, those, weren't, those weren't Academy Award-winning masterpieces by any stretch, but Zombies 3 was a challenge. Anyway, so we're, we're watching that the, the, the yesterday morning. And then we go to Chick-fil-A, and as we're pulling into the parking lot, she starts to reminisce, like, Dad, there's the, there's the pet shop and the, and, 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 and the story store. And she's like, 
but dad, there's discount bins there now. We could go to discount bins. You don't know discount bins. It's an Amazon return store and it is wild. It's, it's like, it's the same stuff every day, but the price goes down. So you have to pick, pick your day and it's, it's, it's wild. Like we're not, we're not doing that. So we go to Chick-fil-A. We have a great time. And then we go to see the new Thor movie uh, together. Uh, after that, have popcorn. And we are just having a joyful day. It's just full of joy. She's having a great time. And honestly, I just, I, one of the things I admire about her is just kind of this, this love of life. She is, she is a, a, a joyful, full of joy kid. And you may think, you may say back to me, which would totally make sense. Well, bro, I mean, you watched zombies with her, right? Then you, um, you brought her Chick-fil-A and then you took her to Thor. You gave her popcorn. I mean, any kid under those circumstances would be joyful, but it's, it's more than that. Because then we came back home and said, Dad, do you think we'll be able to go to the pool after this? Like, I, I, I'll, bet, I'll bet we can. But Dad needs a nap. Um, always. Saturday, Sunday, you know where to find me at 2 o'clock. Sleep. Um, and, we, and, and I got up, and, I hit, and it hit me. It's like, uh, we, got, we got all this laundry that we need to fold. And, and I said to her, I was like, we can't go right now. We've got to fold this laundry before, before Mom gets back. And her response, okay. And so we turned on a Harry Potter movie and we folded clothes and she was, and she was totally cool. And then we found out mom was getting back a little sooner than we thought. So it doesn't look like we're going to get to go to the pool. She's like, we're not going to the pool. I was like, no, maybe tomorrow. She's like, okay. And then she was great. And then like two hours later, she comes to me. He's like, dad. I'm like, what? We forgot snow cones. Like apparently I, we had also discussed snow cones. He's like, dad, tomorrow pool and snow cones. I'm like, absolutely, pool and snow cones. And, and so even though, theoretically, there was this disappointment, right? Even though it was just one, we didn't get the thing that we wanted. And, and there were chores we didn't want to do involve, that were involved. She maintained this level of joy that I think is really cool. And so two, the two qualities we're going to be talking about today are joy and peace. And both of these things really do have a lot to, to do about, like, what is our attitude like when maybe all of this isn't ideal? And as you think about trying to define joy, I don't know what your familiarity is with you know, Christian cliches. I'm overwhelmed with them all the time. One of the Christian cliches around joy is that joy is different than happiness. It's different than happiness. Happiness, happiness is dependent on your circumstances and joy is, doesn't matter. Your circumstances don't matter which is a really weird thing to say. I mean, I, I, get, I get the heart of it, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's like, well, if it doesn't depend on your circumstances at all, then what are you happy about? And honestly, joy and happy are really close to synonyms. I mean, they essentially mean the same thing. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, this is, this is, this is great. But, but, what, but what is great? And again, I've been thinking about Layla. I mean, it's easy to be happy when we're having popcorn at the movie, it's a little less easy when you're folding clothes and not getting snow cones. What is joy? Like, what is it? Like, when the Bible says that you can have joy, what is it? Where does it come from? And so we're going to say it this way, that it's not really independent of circumstances. Well, I'm going to say it this way, that joy is finding your happiness in the ultimate circumstance. The ultimate, like, like the big circumstance, like a circumstance, an unwavering, unyielding, always joyful, joyful, at least the potential for joy circumstance in your life. 
I am joyful. I am happy. I am enjoying my life. I am feeling good about who I am. I'm feeling good about this life, not just randomly in the air, but because of a very particular circumstance. Paul says this in Philippians 4, verse 4. It's kind of his, like his little closing to this letter. He's really trying to encourage them, trying to, he's actually speaking, we'll see, we'll see a few different things over the course of Philippians 4, some different qualities that he is trying to speak and, and praying into their life. And the first one here is joy. Verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always, right? Be joyful in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. Find joy always where in the Lord. That if you want joy and a joy that you can always have, you find it in the Lord. And again, this is, this, again, this, you, you may think, bro, you are a nerd and you're making a distinction that does not really matter. But I think, it's, I think it is important. This is not saying that your joy does not come from your circumstances. It's just one particular circumstance stands out above and over all the rest of them. The circumstance of what it means to be and to find hope and life in the Lord. I had this really cool privilege. I wasn't here last week. I had this really cool privilege last week. I was in Orlando for five days. And if you know who I am, you think it's about a Disney World story, but I, in fact, was, did not go to a Disney World park while I was there. I was speaking to several different groups of uh, college people who are college ministers, and they were all kind of in their early uh, to late 20s, by, by and large, just trying, to, just trying to encourage them. You know, they're very new. They think they want to be ministers for their whole life and are trying to walk with God. And kind of, I like to come in and just kind of encourage them. And one of the things that I see with people, with, with, with people that age, that kind of young, really enthusiastic, wanting to really do great things for God, is that they begin to think that their value and that their worth really comes from how good I am at things, how much I'm doing or producing for God. Like if I'm doing the right things and I'm, and I'm behaving the right, if I'm doing all these right things with God, then, then, God will, then God will love me. We can get into that sort of mindset. And I don't think it's just limited to them. Right? I think a lot of us will find our value in our productivity and how good we are or how good things are going. My finances are going well. My, my relationships are going well. I've got, I've got power. I've got influence. I'm thinking good. My value is high. And so when those things are bad, then my value is low. And so my joy increases with my perception of my own value. What I think of me or what I think you think of me. And so my joy fluctuates with my own perception of my own value. But what if God determines your value? What if God says that you are overwhelmingly precious to him? So much so that he sent his only son to die for you so that you could have life with him forever. What if God says, looks at you and says, I love you. You are of incredible value to me. So much so that these other things well, I've got a little bit more money than I did last month and my, my, my relationship with my wife is a little bit better and I got a couple more friends like, well, I, or, I, or I don't. Like the, the, the increases and decreases here don't compare to the really significant idea that the creator God of the entire universe says you 
are of immense value and I love you. So these circumstances, okay. But my joy, my intense happiness, the contentment, the fulfillment that I feel from life, I can find that in the Lord always. Oh, I'll say it again. Rejoice. So Paul is like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't find my joy in what I do. I don't find my joy in my own perception of how good I am, your perception of how good I am, but how God has already declared how good I already am. So much so that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So it is a joy in the greatest of the circumstances. And so again, we talked about, we, we're talking about this idea of joy and then and, and the next one, like joy, peace. And you think about peace, and again, it's, it's very similar to joy. Because again, we're thinking about what is, you know, the circumstances around me. It's like, well, what makes you joyful? Well, I, think, I think about things. And it's like, how do you have peace? And I don't know, like I can only imagine that it is not, I, w- I wouldn't enjoy being married to me, but my wife does, I think she does a great job. She does a great job at it. She does a great job at it. Like you're just minding your own business, just trying to have dinner. And all of a sudden the person next to you goes, now let's, let, let, what does peace really mean though? Like if we're going to try to define, like just out of nowhere and you just, and you just, you just, you just have to play along with it. It's like, cause here's the deal. Here's it. Like here, let me, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is how the conversation goes. We're talking about something else entirely. And all of a sudden, like, here's the deal. I feel like we always try to define peace in negative terms. And, it's, and she's got to catch up with 10 minutes of internal monologue that she didn't hear. She's just trying to play along. Right? Because you think about, like, trying to define peace, right? It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, trying, what is darkness? You think about darkness in the terms of it's, there's no light. It's, it's not something. And what is peace? Well, it's, it's not war. It's not conflict. It's, it's, it's not something. But what, but what, but what is it? What is it? Like, I want to be joyful. I want to, I want to have, I want to have happiness that no matter what these circumstances are, I've got this circumstance that gives me this happiness. Where, what is, what is peace though? We'll just, and we'll just say this. We'll say this for now and just see where we go, Right? That peace, what is called peace, it's the calm, it's a calm in the storm. It's a calm in the storm. I'll say it this way, a different way. There's a difference between saying, man, how, how's it going? And you go, man, things are good. Things are good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And how you, how, how you, how's it going? How are, you, how are you doing? You know, it's not so good but I'm good. The idea of an I'm good versus it's good. And so you can really only have peace. Like if you, if you have reasons to need peace, like when, when, when everything's great, you, rarely, you rarely would you describe yourself as peaceful. 
peaceful really does have the implication of, I have a re- like there's a storm. There is a reason around me for me to be stressed. There is a reason around me for me to feel anxious. There's a reason around me for me to be down. But instead, I'm calm. I, I'm, I'm good. And so the idea of praying or thinking through, like, I want to learn about peace, it's one of those dangerous things. Like the most dangerous one, we'll, and, and, and Mark talked about this last week, the most dangerous one is patience, right? Like you say this, he's like, man, I just, I wish I were a more patient person, which is a perfectly fine thing to say. And it gets dangerous when you go the next step and you say, God, please help me to learn patience. Like think about that for a second. How do you learn patience? by being put into situations that would call for you to be patient. You have, the only way you can learn patience is to be in a bad situation, right? No one wants that. Here's what you want to pray instead. God, teach me how to be overwhelmingly content when you are blessing me. Teach me, teach me, how, teach me how to have a good heart even when everything is going well. Help me to keep, be able to focus on you when everything in my life is going great. Because sometimes I feel like when everything's going great, I ought to get distracted. I, that, that's what you want to learn. Even still, he's going to trick you and, and go the other way and sh- teach you that through the bad circumstance, right? I got to teach me peace. Well, the only way you learn peace, really, is of reasons to not be peaceful. So here's what you want to, God, give me peace. You don't want to learn peace. You want to have peace, which is, which is a different, different idea. So there, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a storm. There's a storm around me. And I feel... I feel unsettled. Can I in that? Can I can I be can I be good? Can can I be okay? And I think about this I think about this and this is kind of one of those questions that I got um, as I'm meeting with all of these different groups of people last week. And we're just kind of having these Q&As. I mean, they, the, the perception, it's maybe your perception too, but it's certainly their perception. Hey, this older dude who's kind of living this life of kind of being a minister, he's kind of this older dude who's, he's, you know, essentially a lot of the questions like, how do you get to be an old dude doing this? Right? How do you get to be an old dude? That's okay. That's not how they phrase it, but it's, 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 it's the idea. And one of the things I tell them is like really kind of how you, how you navigate when things aren't going well is really going to be one of your most significant keys to longevity. And, and one of the things we talked about a lot, I talk, well, it was, it was, here's, and one of the main ones, one of the main ones is money. Like how do I learn to be okay with, with, with my money? Because you're going to have money sometimes, you're going to not have money sometimes. Things are going well with your money sometimes, sometimes they're not. And so there's, how, how do you find peace in what can only be described as just an up and down, just kind of rocky, tumultuous relationship with money? And we say, well, first you kind of got to get grounded in obedience. Like, I want God to bless my finances. I got to get grounded in obedience. Am I, am I living a life of obedience? So that like, I'm not asking God to bring me peace when I'm being disobedient. So I'm, I'm being obedient. That's, that's the base level. That's the base level. It's like, I, I, I trust, I'm trusting God by being obedient. But then there's, there's another level to that where it's just like, it's not just that I'm being obedient. It is also that I understand that my joy, my peace is not found there. 
It is by design going to be tumultuous. It is by design going to be chaotic. And so I want to be obedient. But that is not where I'm looking. Because if I define peace as a lack of something, then I'm going to find peace with my finances when finances and money cease to be a chaotic factor in my life. I am not the oldest person in the room, but I will tell you this, and the oldest people in the room will tell you this too. That will never be true in your life. And if you're looking for peace only in the sense of I need to manage the circumstances, then you're going to be in trouble. I don't want to say that you shouldn't. You absolutely should. You need to be living life of obedience. And life of obedience brings a little stability to the chaos. But all the obedience in the world isn't going isn't, isn't to lessen the chaos in the world around you with your, with your finances, with your relationships. But I need to look past that and through that, again, to a more ultimate circumstance. Money is chaotic, but God is not. Relationships are chaotic. People are chaotic. The world is chaotic. God is not. And I can look to him. And there's this verse. It is a very famous verse. It's also in Philippians 4, 4, 6, and 7. For those of you who are paying attention, we just looked at Philippians 4, verse 4, and now we're skipping to 6. He's like, bro, there's a, verse, there's a verse you missed. Verse 5, sure, and it says, let your gentleness be evident to everybody, which is not one of these weeks. Verses on fruit of the Spirit. We'll talk about gentleness another time, and if it make you feel better, we'll come back around in a couple weeks and be like, hey, look, Philippians verse 5, gentleness. Anyways, so he goes, he's talking, he's talking about joy, he talks about gentleness, and now verse 6 and 7, a very popular verse, and some of you probably have heard this, maybe even a lot of you have, have heard this idea where it talks about peace and anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it's interesting, it's an interesting little you know, diagram here, possibly, kind of kind of what he's saying. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. Which is don't ever just give that piece of advice to somebody, by the way, right? Oh, you're anxious? Well, if you tried, don't be. So he says more than that, and he actually says a lot more than that. See, don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't allow, I will say it this way, don't allow anxiety to control you. Don't allow anxiety to get the best of you. But instead, replace your anxiety or supplement your anxiety with prayer, with thanksgiving. Give God your heart. Tell him what's going on with you. I'm going I'm to be thankful for what I have, be thankful for who he is, I'm going to tell him the things that I wish were different. I'm going to give my heart to him. And he says, what will happen is a peace that transcends understanding will come and guard your heart. You're now a protector of your heart against anxiety will come. But it it is a protector that comes that transcends understanding that doesn't make sense. Now, if I were to say to you, if you're feeling anxious and you pray, God will give you peace most of us would kind of make a connection between my circumstances are chaotic, things are against me, people are against me, life is against me. I pray for peace and it is the removal of the conflict. 
Peace means the thing that I'm anxious about is gone. That is, that is certainly peace. But it is not a peace that transcends understanding. It's a peace that makes sense. I was at war. We were at war. Now we're not at war. There is now peace. That makes sense to me. I was worried about my finances. I got this unexpected gift. Now I can pay these bills. Now I'm at peace. That is a peace that makes sense. The peace that God is promising here is a different type of peace. A peace that is not connected to your understanding. That doesn't make sense. It is not a removal of the conflict. It is something internal that he is going to do to you. It's this idea of, of, of I'm, I'm going to be okay. And the way he describes it, and my apologies, you don't even know this, maybe I shouldn't even say, my apologies to the slide guy for skipping over a verse that I wanted to talk about earlier. We'll come back to it. John 14, 27, where Jesus is saying this to his disciples as he's about to leave them. He's telling them I'm about to die, about to get arrested, about to die, and you're about to be on your own. So they're scared to death, and he says this to them. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. There's a peace the world gives. And there's a, there's a peace that makes sense, a peace that I understand. There's a peace that some people are like, well, okay, every, everything's fine, everything's good, and so I can be at peace. He says, the peace that I give is different than that. It is a peace that is not connected to your understanding. It is not a peace that is connected to your logic. It is a supernatural thing that God will do inside of you. And so I don't find joy by managing my circumstances. I don't find peace by managing my circumstances. And, 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 and there's a part of me, it's like I'm desperate here, because like, this is how my brain works. And if you've been coming here long enough, this is probably what you expect. Okay, now is the part in the sermon where he is going to give us three really helpful tips, practical advice on how to manage this. And if I could give you three practical hints, tips, and tricks and things that you could do, then what we're talking about is building something that we understand. An understandable peace, a, managing, a manageable joy, those kinds of things. But it's not like that. It is just, this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is a supernatural thing that God will do. Now, I have another parenting story for you. It's actually, I guess, in some regards, be considered my first parenting story. My wife was pregnant, and now we're at the hospital. She's, and she's been in labor all day. And um, it's time to start pushing. And we're pushing for an hour. We don't seem to be making any progress. And Heidi's OB-GYN at the time is the most steady, eddy, calm, peaceful guy I've ever met. My wife would come in. We were young. We were new. We didn't know a whole lot. And she would feel some anxiety about things like, doctor, you won't understand. What about this? What about this? What about this? And he's like, oh, Heidi. He would say it all the time. Oh, Heidi. Oh, Heidi. He would just always be calm. And after an hour of pushing and things aren't going well, Heidi says to him, are we making any progress? And he goes, we don't always make progress, Heidi. And I was just like, this is not good. This is not good. Mr. Calm saying that it's not good, it's not good. And from that moment, 10 minutes later, we were in an operating room with an emergency C-section. 
And it was a really, it was a wild experience for me. I'm standing there, I'm sitting there at my wife's head. It's crazy I was in the room. It's crazy, it's crazy. Hey, just come in, we're gonna cut your wife open. You just stay right there. So I'm right, I'm, I'm right here and there's like a little curtain where I don't have to see and I'm kind of like going halfway between, this is great and like, click. Like it was just, it was, it was fascinating, right? But it's also insanely scary. The daughter, my daughter is in distress. My wife is cut open. They pull Maylee out and immediately take her to the other side of the room because she's not breathing. And they will not tell us what is going on. And so I, here I am, I mean, just insanely young. At least I didn't think that at the time, but I look back and I'm like, dude, you're so young. So clueless. And, and, and these two precious, like this, my beautiful wife here is cut open. And, and this baby girl that got, I, she's over there and I, I can't do anything about it. And I'm overwhelmed. I am an absolute mess. And this verse comes to my mind. And I'm telling you without a doubt, this is the prayer that I prayed. God, I don't know what that verse is about, but I want that peace. And for three glorious minutes, this peace just came over me. My wife is still vulnerable. I still don't know what's going on with my baby, but it's like suddenly there was something that happened. And then a few minutes later, the circumstances, the melee started doing okay and they were able to sew Heidi back up and, and everything, everything was fine again. And I'll obviously I'm incredibly thankful for that, but I'm also incredibly mindful of that moment while things were still incredibly chaotic, while my heart was fearing the worst about everything, a piece that I cannot describe to you, I cannot give you 10 tips to get there. I can really only say this, is that it's the gospel that makes this possible. It's really only the gospel that makes it possible. How do I give my heart, how do I put my heart in the ultimate circumstance? How do I allow the spirit to give me peace when I have no reason around me to have peace? It is only because of what Jesus Christ did. It is only when I really truly believe and understand that the overwhelming love of God means that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to here, to this place, to die for me because he loved me at my worst while I was a sinner, while I was his enemy, while I was under his wrath. He demonstrates his love for me by sending his son to die for me. And then I can find joy there. And it is the transforming work that God does in my heart, the giving of his Holy Spirit that allows when I ask to be given peace. A peace that doesn't make sense. How do I give you tips on how to have a peace that doesn't make sense? To the degree that I do, it is essential for us to reorient our hearts and our minds more around the gospel. That I stop thinking about how to manage these circumstances better, but how do I keep my heart and mind on this circumstance, on the thing that God did for me, the life that I can have with him because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And now, now my, now my, my brain and my heart, they just work differently because of something that the Spirit is doing. So now it's kind of when we have some response time.
that's a great time to do it. Just to reorient your heart and your mind around the gospel, whether you need to receive it for the first time or you just need to get your brain back around it, your heart back around the incredible thing that God has done for us. So we can do that in worship. We just kind of pour out our hearts through the things that we're singing. We've got a response place in the back. There's people that can pray with you. There's a place where you get some prayer candles where you can pray and lift up some of the things that are giving you some of this anxiety. You can ask God for peace. Praying at the cross, there's communion. We have opportunities to give. There's ways to give in the back. I mean, there's just tons of ways to respond to God, to ask him, to invite him, to, 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 to challenge him even to bring this joy and peace as a reality in your life, to let the Spirit do that work. So let's respond in a way that allows the truth of his gospel and the power of his Spirit to really and truly fill us. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for joy. I thank you for peace. And God, I pray that they be real. God, there's just so many really weird, insignificant things that I put my joy in, that I put my peace in. And that, God, they're just all, it's slowing me down. This world is broken. And it's so easy to just feel broken with it to feel chaotic, to feel overwhelmed, to let fear and anxiety and hopelessness win. And God, I pray that we would be people who can live above that with our hearts and mind on the ultimate circumstance, a belief and trust in that our value comes from you and that your spirit can do a transformative work in our hearts and lives to give us a joy and a peace that goes beyond understanding. And it is in your son's name that we pray, amen.